So tonight what we want to do is continue our study of biblical stewardship and looking at how do we how do we um, live as good stewards of the resources that God has given to us. We've we've looked at the you know the purpose of how we need to purpose to use God's money wisely, the purpose to either avoid or get out of debt. Um, and we've started into talking about preparing for the future. Now, we looked at our current situation last week and some of the wrong reasons uh, to to save or prepare for the future. And then we looked at kind of like um, wrong ways to prepare, wrong really, things that, that drive us, wrong reasons to prepare, um, not just in general, but specifically we looked at uh, how we don't, we should not prepare um, or save out of fear or anxiety of the future. Um, where you looked at not saving or preparing for the future to become financially independent or to become self, uh, self-reliant, self self-sustaining, where we don't need anybody. In fact, to become so self-reliant, we think we don't even need God. So those are the, we looked at those last week and the details of that um, are on, those lessons are in, actually, um, uh, there, there's two separate lessons. I separated them out um, online. So if you look at them, there'll be two lessons last week because we finished one and looked at, looked at the next. But those are on there. So um, tonight we just want to continue looking at um, how the Lord wants us to prepare. And, and I want to begin tonight by kind of challenging us in this area. And that is um, not only should we not prepare um, because of anxiety, we shouldn't or fear about the future, we shouldn't prepare um, you know, to be self-reliant. Um, it's good good to be, um, be prepared and particularly not to be relying on the government. But what I mean by that is some people take this to the extreme and they, they think that they plan so many different ways that they think they don't need God, but all those preparations can just wash away or be stolen or rot away if God's not in it. Um, so tonight we're going to just begin by, by looking at the fact that we should not ignore our need to prepare for the future. Because really that's, that's where most people are at. I mean, most people in our society, and it bleeds over into the church, most people aren't preparing out of anxiety. There might be a few. There, there might be a few that are preparing to be self-reliant. But within the church, you don't find a whole lot of that. Uh, what you do find, though, is that a lot of people just kind of ignore the need to prepare. And that's where our society at large is at. That's why we talked about how most people could barely survive a month um, uh, before they'd ha- need, you know, to get a loan in order just to survive if they if they lost their job. You know, think about all the people who are losing their job right now. I mean, all the statistics that we threw out last week about the majority of Mer- Americans not being able to to go without work. So a lot of people are are either resigning or being fired right now from their employment. The only good news right now is that there there are lots of jobs available, but um, you know on the downside you've got all this financial pressure. So all that financial pressure not only does it add just pressure to you, potential anxiety, sinful anxiety, but but then um, it also is a complication when you want to choose to do A, and but you can't because you can't financially afford to pursue that first choice. So you got to do a second choice. So. Um, really, just that the, just I just want you to see that the Lord does not want you to be lazy about the future. There, there are obviously um, various times and seasons when you can prepare, some when you just financially can't, and 
you know, we're talking to overall the United States is a fairly wealthy nation. So we have the ability to prepare, but obviously there are some countries, some cultures where they're just struggling day to day, just, just with daily food. So, you know, a message like this would seem foolish in a, in a culture like that. So, you know, the message is for those that can prepare, the Lord wants you to prepare. Um, just think about Proverbs 6, uh, verses 9 to 11. There, Solomon says, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. So, you know, it just likens that need coming in like, a, like an armed robber. Um, but it's going to come. And, that, and in part, this proverb talks about someone who, who doesn't want to work. And, and there's plenty of people working, but yet they fail to, when it comes to like preparing for the future, they're just, they're lazy. They might be a good worker, but they're lazy when it comes to, to making any kind of preparations for the future. Uh, Proverbs 10 verses 4 and 5 says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. So the, the, you know, one point of that proverb is just that you need to work where there's opportunity. If you sleep during harvest, the food's going to rot. It's going to go to waste and you won't have it to get through the winter. But then there's the point, the, other, the secondary point is there is a, a gathering in, in times of harvest that needs to happen for the time in the winter when you don't have the opportunity to do that. So if you don't harvest in the summer or when that food is ready, you're going to be hungry in the winter. So there's a certain amount of, of preparation that has to be done. We're spoiled in, in a sense that we just go to the grocery store and there's always, there's always fruit, there's always vegetables. It may not be as, you know, some seasons it's you know, cheaper than other seasons, but, you know, you can find all sorts of vegetables and all sorts of fruits, um, uh, potatoes and everything just, you know, year round. And that's because we've worked on our, you know, farmers and agriculture have worked on all these systems on how to harvest, how to preserve, whether through freezing or canning or um, even with fresh fruits, uh, how, to, how to keep them fresh, make sure they're fresh when they get to the grocery store. All that's relatively modern, and but yet we kind of take it all for granted. Um, but there was a time when you had to plan and you had to prepare. So there's some things that we can uh, we don't have to do that that saints of old would have to do, but the principles are still there, that we need to prepare in times of plenty so that if times of want come, that we are better prepared for that. So don't ignore your need to prepare for the future. And, and on the positive side of that, prepare di diligently and systematically for the future. So one of the things that I want you to come away with is that the Lord wants you to faithfully prepare for the future in total dependence upon him. Often we, we uh, pit preparation against trust in the Lord or trust in the Lord against preparation. And I think the biblical response, the wise response is preparation and dependence upon the Lord. Because without the Lord, all everything you prepared is, it all could waste away, rot, rot away or you know, be stolen. Uh, and you don't get the opportunity to, to use any of it. On the other hand, uh, to, to not prepare when you have opportunity to prepare is, is uh, foolishness and laziness. So let's look at some biblical lessons on preparation. Um, 
the first lesson we're going to look at is the lesson from a fool. So in Proverbs 21, we see a lesson from a fool. You can turn your Bible. I'll just read it to you. Some of these I'm going to read. Some I'm going to ask you to open to. But Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. That is a fool carelessly uses up all his treasure, all his oil, and it's living for the pleasure right now. So that, so that in the future, when there is a need, he has nothing, um, nothing to fulfill that need. That, you know, this proverb is showing that the wise lives with self-control so that there is treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. If, you know, the point is not using up uh, all of your resources. So this, this requires you not to, to spend every dime you make. You know, this is what it's talking about, preparing um, for the future. The wise lives with self-control. So the, the potential for encountering trouble in this sinful world is, is high. And if you live your whole life and don't encounter any trouble, I think you'd be one of the rare, uh, among the rare saints where, where you live your whole life whole life and don't encounter some some kind of turmoil, some kind of trouble, particularly in our day. So if you have the opportunity to prepare for the future, um, you would be wise to do so, even if, even if you don't yet know the nature or the extent of, of the problem that you're preparing for. Any preparation is better than none. And really the lesson here is to diligently prepare, diligently save. So we're, we've been talking primarily about finances, so that's the primary application. But understand there are, there are broader implications for preparation that, that speak to other areas as well, um, particularly like with the area of food. So one of the lessons here of wisdom is to anticipate future expenses or financial crises by planning for them. So how do you do that? How do you plan for the future when you don't know what the future brings? Well, you have a Murphy Fund. You know what a Murphy Fund is? You know, Murphy's Law, it's, well, it's not in the Bible. Murphy's Law, you know, something can go wrong and will go wrong. So you don't know what that is. Um, you know, some people call it the rainy day fund. You don't know what day it'll be the rainy day, but you know that rainy day is coming. So you start having an, uh, an emergency fund, to use another term. So it's uh, recommended, again, this isn't, this isn't, in the Bible at all, but this is a recommendation. Dave Ramsey and, and Larry Burkett and others say start with a thousand dollars in an emergency fund. So that's your first goal is to get a thousand dollars in your emergency fund, so that if you have to replace the tires on the car or a hot water tank, you have that money to to do that, and you're not depending on credit cards. Uh, they're not going in debt to to uh, take care of those things. Uh, what you want to do is to build up that emergency fund eventually to the three to six month category. And, and whether you go three months or six months, it doesn't really matter. It, some of it may, may um, vary depending on the volatility of your income. Um, but the point is to have some cushion there so you're not living month to month. Um, and then start saving for major things that you know you're going to need to eventually replace a car, you know, furniture or roof on the house, depending on the age of all that. So there's these things that you know are, are just coming. We, we can kind of ignore them for a while because some of these things you put on, like a roof, might be good for 20 years, depending on the roof, maybe 30, so you kind of forget about it. But, but there comes a time when that roof is going to have to be replaced and it's not cheap. So 
you know, the, these things shouldn't catch us by surprise because it's pretty, um, uh, you know, it's well known to maintain a home. You're going to have to replace the roof at some point. You're going to have to replace a hot water heater, I don't know, every 10, 15 years, something like that. Um, so those, these are kind of expenses we want to start uh, preparing for. Um, we don't know the timing when they'll break or when they'll need replacement, but we know that they will. Um, so that's really the lesson from, from the fool is just, who's, the fool is just living life as if nothing's going to go wrong. And they're just living on, you know, hundred percent of the resources, uh, for their own pleasure right now. Uh, let's look at a lesson of, from, uh, preparing from the arrogant, uh, from the arrogant. And here I'd like you to turn to James chapter four verses, looking at verse 13. James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So really the lesson of arrogance here is the person is assuming that they're going to just be able to, to go make a profit just like they always have. I mean, that, that's the assumption here. This person has done this before. They've gone to such and such a city, stayed there a year, made a huge profit, left, gone to the next city. And it just the, the, uh, you know, the assumption in, in this, the, this uh, text is that the person has done that in the past and they're, they're just projecting that into the future. So um, you know, lesson for us is don't assume that you'll always be able to make the profit that you're making now. You might say, oh, I don't need to save because my income's good and you know, I'll just be able to to um, just keep keep going on that uh, indefinitely. Usually, that's not the older person that's saying that. Usually, that's the younger person that's saying that. But there are some foolish older people too. Um, so don't assume that you'll always be able to make a profit. Trust in the Lord to help you prepare wisely. I guess it's, it's how I'm applying this. So that's a lesson from the arrogance. Look at a lesson from the diligent. Uh, go back to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 21.5. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent surely lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. So the best preparations are made step by step in a diligent plan. So diligent requires thinking through wise goals, uh, planning how you'll reach those goals, and then following through with the plan uh, to the best of your ability and faith to God. So it, all, all of this, the planning, um, planning the goals, planning how to reach those goals and working those goals are all, should be all be done in dependence upon the Lord. And, and really uh, on I um, say on the opposite side of this, or as we think about uh, preparing the future, part of the diligence is resisting the urge, the, the, resisting the urge to fall for the uh, get-rich-quick schemes. And there are a lot of those out there. You know, the old adage again, it's not biblical, but it's just a wise saying: if if something seems too good to be true, it is. Right? So don't don't fall for it. 
There are lots of people out there still trying to do the uh, get rich quick scheme. You know, you see all those, especially on YouTube, you see them, you know, this, this multimillionaire is going to give you the secrets of how he made his millions, you know, and well, there might be some wisdom in some of those. I'm not discounting everything out there, but I say so much of that is just gimmicky. You know, they're just trying to, to get your 25 or your 50 bucks or your 75 bucks and you know, they'll, they'll give you a few tidbits here or there, but you won't become a millionaire by throwing out a few dollars. So again, just watch out. Anything that's trying to encourage you to to, to pursue the path of get rich quick is um, is really a danger for you because what, what what's happening there is it's feeding your desire for greed, basically. So anytime that they're pursuing like a get rich quick, get rich quick um, idea, it's the idea you want to avoid work and, and really um, there's this idea in us that we have to guard against greediness and the love of money. So the, the scriptures say the plans of the diligent lead to advantage because they are, they carefully and faithfully work to prepare for the future. So, and that's that's a short term future, but that's also a long term future. So that's you know the, the emergency cash fund, but it's also retirement. There are also other things that we need to think through preparing for that I'll mention in a minute. So preparing needs to be done diligently, or it's best done diligently. Again, any preparation is better than no preparation, but but the best preparations are those that you lay out diligently and, and kind of work the plan, especially in retirement. Um, as we talk about that, uh, the earlier you start, the better. Then there's a lesson from the ant. I'm sure you thought we would get there if you know anything about Proverbs. So turn to Proverbs 6. Let's read that together. Proverbs 6, beginning at verse 6. Solomon uses the, the ant to teach uh, his son a lesson about, about preparation, about work. Uh, Proverbs 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And your poverty will come in like a vagabond, your need like an armed man. So I previously read verses uh, 9 and 11, but I wanted to include verses 6 to 8 because it, you know, really need to look at the ant. You get this lesson, you know, just there's lots of ants in the world and Solomon's using something very practical to say, go look at the ant. They're always working and not not sitting down um, and just being, uh, just, just resting. So I'm sure there's times of rest. I don't know the, the cycle or the habits of ants. They're not always out. But, but the point is that they're diligently, um, they're diligently working. So um, Proverbs uses the ant again in, in Proverbs 30, verse 24. There it says, four things are small in the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. So again, what's the lesson? They're diligently working and they're preparing. They're preparing while the food is plentiful, while there's lots to have, they prepare it and store it away for the time when, when there isn't, that food isn't available. So again, it's, this is another proverb that tells us it's wise to prepare for the future. So we should plan ahead during times of harvest. You know, for us, most of us aren't farmers. So for us, that's just times of plenty. When you have more than you need, you take some of that. Don't live on all of it. You take some of that and you set it aside. 
so that when lean times come, we are prepared to endure, to better endure the difficulty. Uh, as we talk about preparation, um, I want to turn to the life of Joseph, and I'll just say that this is a lesson from an informed leader. Look at Genesis 41. So this is the period of Joseph's life where he is um, in, um, he's, he's been imprisoned and Pharaoh has a dream and, and basically to, uh, Joseph uh, gets connected with the Pharaoh. Actually, you know, Joseph gets mentioned to the Pharaoh that there's this, this uh, Hebrew in, in prison who can interpret dreams. And uh, so he comes in, Pharaoh has these dreams, and, and none of uh, Pharaoh's wise men can interpret the dreams. And so um, Joseph um, hears the dream and then interprets the dream. We'll just pick it up in verse 25, Genesis 41, verse 25. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and seven thin years scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now Pharaoh, now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land, the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for, the, for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and all his servants. So, you know the you know the story. Joseph's actually appointed to be that wise leader, and they do. Seven years of abundance comes, and and uh, Joseph wisely builds storehouses and prepares all of that. And this is all done in order for God to preserve not only Egypt; it's a common grace to Egypt, but also to preserve his his people, uh, Hebrews, and and really in a sense to to um, to bless them, but what you know, obviously this this lesson uh, or the story um, that we're given in Genesis isn't here primarily to teach us about preparing. It's it's about the work of God and, and preserving His people. But there is a lesson on preparation here, and that is when when we know something is uh, ahead, or when we know there's a potential for something in the years ahead, we need to prepare for that. It's wise to prepare for that. Now, obviously, Joseph had supernatural knowledge and insight to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. 
And, and God, I just want to reiterate that God isn't speaking to us in dreams today. So if someone says that they've heard God's voice or they, you know, that, that God gave them a message in a dream, just know that they're making that up or there's something demonic going on, one of the two. It, it's not from God. God's not communicating in that way. And yet we still can learn something about planning from this. So we, we just see it as, as, as its wise preparation for the future. Again, reiterating the theme that you save up during the years of plenty for the years of, of difficulty yet to come. So the saving must be done by faith and done without taking one's focus off of seeking first the kingdom of God, because that's, that's the danger. You should be in preparation. You can begin letting that absorb all your time, energy, efforts, and you begin to trust in those preparations rather than in God's preservation. So for food to last seven years not only took good farming knowledge, but it also took the hand of God to, to, to preserve it um, so that they would actually have some food at, during that seventh, seventh year. So remember, um, God do, does things like that, like he did with the manna, you know, when he provided the manna. And he told them then the day before the Sabbath to collect twice as much as they would need. And that, that he preserved that manna on the Sabbath day, said it was still good. But if any was left over on the next day, then it was all moldy. So they, they, couldn't, they couldn't save up two days worth on another day of the week. It would just get moldy and, and yucky. So, you know, God, God preserves our, uh, you know, our, when he wants to restore, prepare his people, he often, um, or provide for his people, he often um, provides so that the food doesn't go bad. You think about all the things that can happen to food in the, in the course of seven years. Um, it, it's the hand of God that it was still edible after seven years. So that's that's our um, kind of the lesson of, of an informed leader. And and two, notice the preparation in this, in this story has primarily uh, to do with food and and not finances. So uh, part of that is because when times get tough, the, the finances becomes a means to purchase food. But if you're wealthy, but you don't have any food, wealth does you no good. So people are willing to part with their wealth in order to sustain their lives. And if you know that story, you know that that's indeed what happens. That, that people of Egypt um, sold um, practically everything they owned uh, to Pharaoh in order to get uh, food. So an application to our own times, just thinking through that principle, um, it, it, one application would be this. We keep hearing reports today of supply chain issues. So grocery stores are having some trouble keeping their shelves stocked, um, unlike times in the past. Um, perhaps we've gotten too accustomed to being able to just run down to the store and pick up the things we need and, and to have five choices of uh, sour cream that we want or something like that on the shelf. But, um, um, you know, as stores... Um, as stores today know, keeping a low inventory is financially better, but that can lead to shortages during times of difficulty. All, what am I saying is it's probably wise to have food at home to, at this point, um, staples of some nature that, that you, can, you can get through some kind of supply chain interruptions. So we just see small interruptions now, um, but there's lots of indications that it's not going to improve anytime soon. So I know there's a lot of pressure on, on uh, ships offshore, and most of that's um, you know, commer commercial, electronic goods. It's not food, some food items in there. But, but the point is, um, 
stores are having difficulty keeping up with supply for, for various reasons and prices are going up. Both those two things are hitting. So what am I saying? It's, I think it's wise at this time to, to make sure that you have some food in your home to be able to, to withstand those, those uh, supply chain interruptions. So that again, you're not, you're not panicked, not that you should be panicked, but like everybody else, like you need, you need bread. Um, and so you're going to store it. Oh, there's no bread on the, no bread on the shelves. So it's a good to keep a loaf of bread in the freezer. You know, th that's what I'm saying is just kind of insulate yourself from some of the shocks that are, that are going on right now in our, our economy. Um, it, it's, it's just wise to, to do something like that. If, if you, um, I remember back earlier this year, it didn't really impact us too much, but down south there was a, a hacker that hacked into the gas pipeline that supplied many gas stations down there. That took them about two weeks to get that sorted out. So the systems like that, that like all the stores depend upon certain kind of logistic systems in order to supply, in order to know what to order. So hackers can get into those systems and it will take stores time to, to figure out, to, to recover from all that. So uh, I think it's wise just to have enough on hand at least to be able to, to get through that so that you, know, you don't, you have enough, it may not be everything that you want, but you have enough um, to, to provide and, and maybe even enough to, to help your neighbor um, and provide an opportunity to witness to Christ. So. You know, it's just the idea, like the silly thing of like uh, when people were buying all the bottled water and the toilet paper back in, when was that, April of 2020, something like that. Um, you know, it, it's it's that kind of thing. People are going to start panic buying stuff and sometimes for no reason. And then, um, you, you know, it just won't be available. So just again, just just prepare. So that that's a lesson from an informed Leader, obviously, we don't we're not informed about the future, but you can you can look at, at what's going on in our culture and kind of know that that uh, there are going to be difficulties uh, ahead with even now, but even more so, I think ahead with how our government is directing uh, economy and and the things that they're pursuing financially as well as economically. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be getting better. Let's turn to another lesson about. Um, Preparation, and that is from the life of Nehemiah. So turn to uh, Nehemiah. Here's a lesson from a wise leader. So in Joseph's life, he had, he had um, supernatural um, revelation given to him in interpreting the dream. And here you're going to look at something slightly different. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, just kind of paint the the setting for us a little bit. I just want to read um, most, of, most of chapter chapter 1. It's not too long. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanai, uh, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive to your eyes and your eyes open to, the, to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you and my father's house have sinned. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer of the king. So as, as the story goes, he, he goes before the king. The king notices his sadness. The king asks him uh, about this. So, so um, he, he tells the king why he is so sad. And in, in chapter 2, we see that the king not only allows Nehemiah to go to, to provide help in Jerusalem, but the king provides all the resources for that. I bet you Nehemiah wasn't praying for that. You know, Nehemiah was pray, praying for Jerusalem. He was, probably, he was praying for the walls to be rebuilt. He was praying that the people would not be in distress. But he probably didn't think that the king would actually um, supply the resources to rebuild. So it's an example, kind of a side note is, that God provides even abundantly beyond what we could ever ask at times. So uh, the king provides, he sends uh, Nehemiah, and he allows, uh, he provides the resources to do that. But look at, look at ahead at, at chapter four. Chapter four, look at verses uh, six and nine. So, so he gets there and he begins working to rebuild the walls. And he said, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. So Nehemiah understands that... Um, uh, look at verse 9. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up guard against them day and night. So there's, there's again, they hear of this, of this danger. The danger is that the enemies of Jerusalem would attack while the wall is only built to half height. Right? A half height wall doesn't do a whole lot of good. So there's, there's danger there. So what does Nehemiah do? The first thing he does is he leads the people to pray and ask God for help. And then, and then what does he do? Look at verse uh, 11. Uh, our enemies have said they will not know or will we see them coming, uh, kill them. Sorry, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them and put a stop to the work. So he had heard a report from Samballot and from those others that that was their intent. And when the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times, they will come up against us from every place you may turn. 
Continuing on in verse 13, I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space between the wall with the exposed places, and I stationed the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I arose and spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And when the enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, and all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. So Nehemiah heard that there was going to be this threat, and he took action. You know, it's not as if God told him to do these things. He was just a wise leader. He was taking action. He was preparing the people for an attack. And when he heard that the people were being were fearful, that they were anxious about what was going on, he went and strengthened them. He encouraged them. He reminded them of who, who God was. So he's, he's, he's uh, an active, proactive leader um, preparing the people. And then, then he says in verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us, sorry, I read that. And verse 16, from that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded on his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. So the trumpeter was there in case there was an attack. He would sound the alarm. People would stop working and, and come to the defense of Jerusalem. So this, this is what the, what the Lord is doing. And, and look at verse 21. So he carried on the work with half of them holding spears uh, from dawn until the stars appeared. So... They they work less way until the wall is built. So again, there's there's much there's many lessons here, and again, I'll emphasize the primary uh, lesson from Nehemiah is not to prepare; it's really to trust God and and see how God fulfills His promises. But there is a sense in which you you see here a leader, Nehemiah, who recognizes danger. So he recognized the need of Jerusalem when he's back in Susa, and he prayed, and then he he prayed, and then. When the king asked him why he was why he was sad, he, he he made his request to the king. God answered that prayer. And again, when he's in Jerusalem, he begins leading the effort to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when a threat comes against the wall, he takes action. So he's not he's not waiting for that um, that danger to actually appear. He just hears of the danger, begins taking action to protect the city. So again, I think the, the lesson here in the area of preparation is that there are times when we're going to um, see things or be concerned about the potential of something and take action for it. So that, that attack on Jerusalem actually didn't happen because the enemies heard that, that their plans were, were found out. God frustrated their plans and it didn't actually happen. So, um, you know, when, when there are times in our lives, even, even now, when it's just wise to take certain action and preparing for the potential of something happening. So, you know, one, one thing we can learn here is that there are times when God grants us just practical wisdom and insight. It's, this isn't, when I say that, it's not as if it's inspired, because it's not. But it's just wisdom and insight so to some people so, so that they can see a danger and begin to work to mitigate the danger. Not everybody in Jerusalem saw that danger, but Nehemiah did, and he, he led an effort to... Um, to, to uh, provide for Jerusalem's defense. So application, if you see a danger coming or think a danger is coming, it would be wise to do what you can to make preparations for that. Each of you do this every night. You lock your door. Right? 
because there's a potential that someone might try to come in and take some things. So every night we try to make sure the doors closed. I realized this morning, Justin realized this morning, that garage door is open all night. <laughs> and God protected everything in it. Not anything was stolen. Praise God. So, um, but we do. We, do we, we take steps like that because of the potential that someone might try to come in. So you lock the door. So it's really that, that, that principle. But look at it even today. So, or apply it today. So it's really a wisdom issue. This isn't a revelation issue. Um, you know, you could prepare for something that, that doesn't actually happen. If it doesn't happen, then, then praise God. You can use those resources in a different, different, different way. Uh, whatever preparations you make to meet the danger, uh, to try to prepare, try to prepare in such a way that your efforts and resources won't be wasted. So what I mean by that, you know, so if you're, if you're saving up extra food, um, Save it in such a way that, that you either rotate it or you donate what you don't need to the food bank or something like that. And we don't want to be wasteful. We want to be, um, you know, good stewards of the resources. That's the overall lesson here. Um, you know, money can be saved in such a way where if, you, if the crisis doesn't come, then you can give that money away. So, um, it, you know, and it's not needed for the crisis. So it's, it's, it's really preparing in such a way uh, as to help us uh, live wisely. Um, and it's just really looking at these. These are not sin issues. This is just wisdom. This is just kind of realizing that there are certain preparations that need to be made. Um, and sometimes it comes down to as simple as you're looking at like your, your tires on your car and realizing, you know, they need to be replaced. So I'm going to go ahead and take action. I'm not going to wait for them to blow out. I'm going to take action and put a new set of tires on the car. I'm not going to wait till it hydroplanes. Um, so that's a practical, simple example, but, but it applies many different ways. Let's cover one, one more lesson tonight, and that is a lesson from the prudent and the righteous. A lesson from the prudent and the righteous. And for this, you can turn to uh, Proverbs uh, 22.3. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the na- naive go on and are punished for it. And this is uh, repeated in Proverbs 27.12. So Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. And then kind of along those same lines, Proverbs 28.28, When the wicked arise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Proverbs 28.28, When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. So just thinking through how, how these principles apply to us today, you know, we, we see that there's plenty of wickedness going on in plain sight today, whether that's uh, just stuff that happens some in the bigger cities on, on the transit lines, um, on, you know, trains and subways and, and buses, or even stuff that happened uh, here in our local city or in our government. There's just the wickedness abounds today in so many ways. And many times it's celebrated. Um, so... You know, we are foolish if we just continue on as if that evil isn't, isn't there. So remember that any thoughts of preparation in these lights, uh, in, in this light, should include not just a retreat from evil. Right? That's, that's not what the scriptures would argue uh, for, but a preparation to, to shield yourself from the impact and from the effects of evil as best you can. And some people take this to the extreme and like they'll buy some land in Idaho, in the mountains of Idaho, and they'll dig a bunker 
and they'll put all the preparations, they'll get a generator, and they'll just go to all the extremes of that. I don't think that's what God wants us to do at all. Um, so that, that kind of takes us off track. We have um, a mission here in the world, even when it gets difficult, we have a mission in the world to reach the lost. But another reason I would argue that that um, that's not God's will for us is because it completely neglects God's command for us to be involved with the church. So we're commanded to be involved with the church. So, um, you know, realize that dif- difficult times may come. Our preparation shouldn't be just to insulate our own family while the world kind of falls apart. So we, we try to prepare in a way um, where we are edifying one another, taking care of one another, and trying to be an evangelistic witness to the world. Obviously, there are times in history where, where people had to flee their homes for their lives. So uh, I think today, in today's age, uh, that would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to flee. If, if it gets that bad that our government is actually uh, you know, coming after Christians and locking people up, it's going to be pretty impossible to hide. Uh, any large group of people with all the technology that goes on today. So the Lord will just have to provide for his people uh, in, that, in that time. But, but there are preparations we can make. So in thinking about our own times, you know, we, we could see governments trying to restrict those who have not gotten the COVID vaccine. I get put that air quotes, vaccine, not really vaccine, but we could see how governments who are trying, in some places, trying to restrict those who have not gotten the COVID vaccines from traveling from entering stores, or even from working. Right? So uh, we're a little bit protected from some of that because Ohio uh, has um, been a little, uh, been more on the more conservative side, but that could change very quickly depending on you know the, the politics. So I think it's something to keep to keep an eye on that that there may become a time where some of our preparations need to take a different form just because of these uh, the governments when they start doing some, something like that. So, you know, right now it's not that bad for us, but in other places, people are restricted uh, from going to certain restaurants. That's not the end of the world. But if they start restricting people from like grocery stores and some of the essentials in life, um, then that becomes a, a grave difficulty. So again, God will provide, but it's good to have some kind of buffer. And we maybe have to think about some kind of system for helping one another obtain food if that if that were to come uh, about. So again, we're a long ways from that, and there's lots of constitutional protection that we can seek, and rightly you can seek, in the same way that Paul sought protection um, from uh, his persecutors but because he was a Roman citizen, so he relied on that Roman citizenship. So there's, there's much here in the way of our American citizen, U.S. citizenship, that we can rely upon to help us through this. But all that to say is, it's, it's wise to be building up uh, an emergency fund um, and um, even some emergency uh, rations to help you through little little blurbs, um, little hiccups that come, maybe some big hiccups that come, help us through those those difficult times. So if, if you um, you know if you have an emergency fund that helps you if you have a job transition, um, and, and just remember that we don't know what the future will bring, but but remember that anxiety is never an acceptable response to potential or even actual dangers. We have to just to cast our concerns upon God, much like Nehemiah did when he heard about the threat to Jerusalem. We have to, we have to ask God to help us and then provide, um, make preparations however, however we can. 
So I'm going to stop there for tonight. Next week, I will continue looking at this. I'm going to look at some, some practical preparations for um, just as we prepare for the future. Some of them aren't new, uh, or um, there are things like insurance and um, life insurance and um, just things like that. But then some of them would pertain probably just to the situation that we're in right now with um, our government and the craziness that's that's all going on and you know the the um, spike in energy prices that have already, has already kind of already started, but they're predicting like energy prices to increase by about thirty percent this winter. So you know, there's just some practical stuff as you see the news stories and news headlines. They may or may not materialize. We do not know, but but it's wise to, to begin looking at ways to prepare um, just to be a better steward of, of what we have for God's glory. So I'll I'll continue that next week. And then uh, as time allows, we'll get started into the most important part about stewardship, and that is that is giving. So we'll look at that next week. All right, let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just want to thank you that you're the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. And, and Lord, I just, um, we just thank you that you have uh, brought us here at this time, this place, to be your witnesses, to encourage one another, Help us to be faithful stewards of the resources you give us. Help us to, to live seeking first the kingdom of God. Help us to live as ambassadors of Christ. Lord, um, you know, if we, if we lose sight of those things, then our, our preparations for our family and for our life becomes in vain. So I just ask that you would help us to be good stewards, um, to be those who are prepared so that we're ready not only to help our own family and not only help the local church, but even to be able to help others in an evangelistic sense, Lord, to, to open up evangelistic opportunities with our neighbors or coworkers, with uh, maybe even just strangers. And I just pray that you would use us as uh, ambassadors of Christ uh, in these dark times. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the pulpit ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. You can find church information, a complete sermon library, and other helpful materials at medinabible.org. This message is copyrighted by Medina Bible Church. All rights reserved.